Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Don't get turned over 
to the wrong one. And you know what verse was brought out? Oh, I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you're standing in the middle, I will spit you out. Now, I don't think any of us can afford to be spit out by the Lord, but that means that if we are, if we're spit out and rejected by God, who do you think he's turning us completely over to? Because, see, he would not have had to spit you out in the first place if you chose him. Oh, hmm, do we think about that? So since you didn't choose him on your own, he just spit you out so that you could belong fully to the other one. Yeah, and I'm telling you, that 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 would not be a good look or a good feel. All right? All right. That's how we spent our Monday morning. Well, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day rolled around, and we talked about Pastor Marco out in Haiti who took his church, the Evangelical of Bethesda Church, the members, on a trip to Canaan. Now, (laughs) unfortunately, it was not that kind of trip because the church members decided to go and approach uh, Jeff and his gang, yeah, oh boy, with some sticks and machetes and they didn't realize they were taking a knife to a gunfight when the gang members started shooting and massacring. Yes, they started murdering the church members. So unfortunately, the streets of Haiti were strewn with murdered individuals. Yeah, unfortunately so. And, oh, they have another mess out there thanks to the hands of those gangs. And that was not very smart. You know, our pastors did give a word of advice to mm, just come on, come on, come on. Let's, let's get our thoughts together. Let's, you know, fight the enemy on a much smarter level, really not very wise to go and, you know, feel like you're going to go up against something like that. <sighs> not on your own. Not on your own. Okay? All right. We got to be smart. People of God, we got to be smart. Well, wow. Wednesday rolled around and we were missing our girlfriend, Vivian. From the mix and giving us our socially conscious segment But we did get to talking with the ladies About the Burger King lawsuit The McDonald's lawsuit The Wendy's lawsuit And the Taco Bell lawsuit Why? Because mm, they have been charged with Just kind of duping the customers into believing that your burger or your 
meal or your item in their restaurant looks one way on the advertisement and another way when you get that particular item. Now, yeah, it's real. It's real. And it's mainly coming from who? The people out in Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> people out in Brooklyn, they are not playing. Well, one of the conversations that we did have is uh, a woman who wrote in saying that her husband said he would cheat at the first opportunity he would get, and the ladies gave their advice to this woman who thought it was fine to uh, let this continue to go on. All right? So uh, that was Wow Wednesday for you. Well, Therapeutic Thursday rolls around, and we got to talking to the Due Time crew. And, uh, mm, wow, nice conversation that got continued, actually, from Wednesday. And I'm going to send you back to go and listen to Thursday's conversation. You're really going to like it because you're going to see how our everyday needs and wants are actually, yes, our needs and wants from the men and the women are actually in the Bible. Yeah, I think we kind of slide on past that one. Yeah, we do. We don't realize that everything that we talk about and we experience in this life, we actually see in the Bible. There is guidance in the Bible. So go and check out that conversation. Well, Freestyle Friday rolled around, and we got to talking about the women who allow the men to slide on in their lives and they don't guard their children. Yes, there has been a man, and I'm sure uh, many a man, a pedophile who had been running from the law for two years because they were chasing him after he had managed to get to at least six children after he targeted the women he was dating so that he could get to the children. Yeah, yeah. It's that real, ladies. It's that real. When we think he's looking at us, he's actually looking at the kids. Yeah. So, mm, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And the men did send us into a thought-provoking weekend, as always. And that's how we spent our week over here on this due time with Pastor Steph. All right? All right. Well, we went on by shaking the Monday morning blues as we celebrated the Labor Day holiday. And I hope you had a wonderful 
safe and a happy extended weekend because uh, that won't be happening for a little while. Yes, all the summer is now behind us. And we are. Oh, we're about to get to talking about it because it's Tuesday and it's church folk day as well. Oh, come on. Go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time where Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. The impact of psoriasis is more than skin deep. It's a potentially devastating autoimmune disease that affects people both physically and emotionally. At Janssen, our immunology team is motivated by the more than 125 million people worldwide who face psoriasis every day in all aspects of life. It's a personal disease, and improving the lives of individuals living with psoriasis is personal to us. We're proud to have pioneered treatments that have helped many, yet our focus remains on continued innovation and the discovery and development of new medicines and approaches to intercept disease in the future. This World Psoriasis Day, we join the psoriasis community in raising awareness as we strive to do our part to treat, cure, and one day realize a world free from psoriatic disease. This is our vision. Oh, you know, listen, don't forget, 
you can go back and listen to other episodes, okay? You can go back and listen to other episodes on so many platforms. We have iTunes. We have Apple Podcasts. We have, uh, let's see what else. We have Spotify. We have iHeartRadio. We have Amazon Podcasts. We have Audible.com. We've got Google Podcasts. We are all over the Internet. So, you're on Feedspot. So, all you need to do is go in your browser and type in It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. You can go into Blog Talk, our host, and type in, you know, A Closer Walk Talk Show. And listen, you can listen to pretty much anything. We have talked about so many different topics, and I mean topics, where we have laughed, we've cried, we've joked, we've talked serious, we've preached. I mean, we have just done it all. So, you know, it's this is a really good variety show. All right, so you get a little bit of everything. You get a little bit of everything. You get the preachers, you get the teachers, you get the messengers, you get the jokesters. Yeah, you get it all here on this due time. So, what are we talking about today? I did come across some interesting articles, and, you know, I tell you, you got to be careful when you go for surgery. Yeah. You know, a long, a long time ago, they started counting the tools that they use. Yes, there is someone who is responsible for counting the tools that are used because many times surgical tools have been left in the patient. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, with all of the checks and balances, people are still dropping the ball. There was a surgical tool the size of a dinner plate. I would like to say like a little salad plate because it was a six-inch item left in a woman's body after she had a C-section back in 2020. Now, she suffered months, they said, um, of chronic pain and went for several checkups to find out what was wrong, including x-rays that showed no sign of the device. Well, the pain got so severe that she visited uh, the emergency room, and the device showed up on an abdominal CT scan, and they removed it in 2021. Did you hear what I said? 
She had the baby in 2020. And 18 months after, 18 months after she had the C-section is when they found this six-inch item in her stomach. Now, here's what they said. (laughs) They said that somehow some woman in her 20s who was attending to the woman during the C-section, they said she failed, quote-unquote, to exercise reasonable skill and care towards the patient. And they wrote it up in some... Uh, I guess Report And I don't see at all Where this woman Is suing This happened in New Zealand Yeah Well you know this ain't nobody In the United States Because they would have been hollering And screaming Lawsuit, lawsuit, lawsuit And throughout this Entire article I have yet to see any mention of a lawsuit. The only thing they're talking about is a report that was, you know, rendered that listed what happened. And they say the case was referred to the director of proceedings and official who will determine whether any further action should be taken. Are you serious? Nah. Nah. You know, they say that, you know, somebody's making some level of apology. I would like to say how sorry we are for what happened to the patient and acknowledge the impact that this will have had, this will have had on her and her family. I'm sorry. No. Unacceptable. Because I'm going to tell you something else. I'm trying to figure out what kind of x-ray doesn't reveal that this was even in the woman. How do you read an x-ray? I got six inches worth of something in my stomach, and that doesn't show up on an x-ray? Because as far as I know, there's not one organ that God has placed in our body that's six inches in diameter. You know, no, no. Listen, there will be a whole lot of lawsuits going on in my book. I, me, the baby that I had, we'd all be rich, 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 and so would the neighbors. Yeah, yeah, That that's just... That's just amazing. That is just amazing, amazing, and amazing. Well, uh, I got some stuff to talk about today. Yeah, and it's kind of early, so. Well, talk about amazing. You would think that... After the George Floyd incident, 
that you would never have to hear about anybody putting a knee on anybody ever. Well, this ex-Florida cop was sentenced, and that's the real story of today, not just the fact that he put his knee somewhere it didn't belong, but the the sentencing that he received. So this 33-year-old was handed a sentence. He was, quote-unquote, convicted of a 2020 incident outside of a Miami club. So they say the body camera footage shows he used a taser on a young lady's belly multiple times and placed his knee on her neck during the excessive arrest in the Tootsie's Cabaret parking lot. Now, this woman who had a dispute with the club staff before leaving, they say she could be heard screaming while the officer pinned her down on the ground. And this just went from from bad to worse. Now, she's pregnant. Yeah. So not only did you use a taser on her stomach while she was pregnant, you also put your knee on her neck. And she says, I was humiliated, I was embarrassed, I was scared for my life. And she said, I've always had respect for the law, my family, a lot of people who are close to me are officers. I felt violated. Are you ready? 30 days. He was sentenced to 30 days behind bars for the incident. Yeah, that's all he got. And they said he should start serving his time in about two weeks. That's all you got. Now, I don't care what the cause of, you know, the scuffle was. It just does not matter that you tased a woman who was pregnant. Now, I understand everybody has a different level of strength and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And But come on, y'all. You actually put your knee on her neck. He should have gotten more than that just for that alone. Knowing that, listen, there's a whole host of cops that went down for this particular incident. And you care that little about life and what the consequences would be that you go and repeat this again? No, no, we are not reenacting this at all. And all you get is 30 days. Well, that's Florida for you.
That's Florida for you. <sighs> what else are we talking about? I'm trying to uh, get my smaller news out of the way. You know, last week we talked about Mayor Adams and his brunch that where he, well, let me go back. His brunch where he spoke about how safe New York was or is rather, and how everybody's, you know, okay, and we feel safe, and, well, he needs to ask the 60-year-old woman who they have some footage that shows a man hitting her more than 50 times with her own cane in a Harlem subway station. Now, I have said over and over and over again, listen, one thing has ultimately nothing to do with another, but why are we 60 years old in the subway at 3.30 in the morning? Now, who didn't take care of Grandma? Who didn't take care of Grandma to make sure Grandma did not have to be in the subway on 116th and Lenox Avenue at 3.30 in the morning? So they say they have this two-minute video where this unidentified man launched at the woman with an umbrella, and she's trying to fight him off with her cane. Now, he then takes the cane from her and starts beating her with the cane. Now, they say he struck her more than 50 times in the head, the stomach, the leg, arms, back, and hands so hard that the wooden cane he was using ended up falling apart. Now, they say, finally, she managed to grab whatever was left out of this um, man's hands, the cane that she had, and when she snatched back the cane, he then started to hit her with his fist. Now, they show, like, a little piece of the video, like little snapshots, and he's not no small man. No, he's not a small man. And they say she was kind of motionless on the ground when he ended up kicking her several times before the video cuts off. Now, they say the cops did respond to a 911 call of the assault at about 3.30, but they say during the video, no MTA workers, police, or subway riders, there were no, there was no intervention. 
or anyone who tried to stop the beating. I don't know how many people were actually standing around. You know, I don't think they're saying that, you know, anyone stood around and watched her get beat. But clearly, if there was a 911 call, it was from somebody. So I don't know, you know, if it was someone from the opposite side of the, you know, of the train station. I don't know if it was, you know, somebody who was standing not too far who was afraid to, you know, uh, intervene. But they said for the whole two minutes, no one. Well, it's also 3.30 in the morning. So how many people were actually there to intervene? And if you see the size of this man, again, he's not no small fry. So probably if anybody was standing around, they weren't too interested in actually getting involved. So I don't know. I don't know what this means. You know, we we got to be smarter. Again, this does not mean because you were walking you know, you are a target, you know, but again, we already know that this, this, the, the subway is not safe regardless of what time of day it is. And here, Grandma at 60 is in the train station at 3.30 in the morning. Well, I don't know what she was doing there. I don't know, you know, why she was there, but she was. And unfortunately, this is, ah, this is what ended up happening. Now, there's this interesting story that I also came across. Now, I don't know how many of you New Yorkers have walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, but back in the day, actually... I used to work not too far from the bridge, and we used to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge and then pick up the train from there and, you know, come on home. And I have to tell you, it was a beautiful view. It was nice and quiet. You know, people would, you know, just kind of hike it across, talking. You know, you had, you know, a few bike riders. Well, they are saying that that is done. The bridge is now jammed with souvenir shops. They say that it looks like a flea market because there are tons of illegal vendors that have now just kind of parked it there. And... The city is now about to propose a ban of all vendors being on the bridge because it's actually a safety hazard. And they show pictures of, you know, this whole slew of vendors, and it's crowded. It's crowded. It's quite crowded because not only 
do you have the vendors, but then you have the people who have stopped to purchase or to browse. And then you've got the people who have, you know, decided to walk across the bridge. So now you've got this overcrowding on the bridge, and they are saying that, no, we can't have this. You know, this is this is a hazard. Now, here's what they've done. They've actually made a bike lane, and they've removed the bikers from where the people walk. So they're saying, okay, we've moved the bikers to give the people more walking space, and yet you now have the people who set up their shops. So they're saying that the other problem is you have all the illegal vendors. So now you have this war because the, I don't know if you remember, but quite a few years ago they started giving only the, what do you call those things, the permits. You would be able to go and get like a, a, a street vendor permit years ago. Anybody could go and get a street vendor permit. And now they stopped that. They've stopped that for quite a, while, quite a while now. And the only people they were giving it to were the veterans. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't mad at them. You know, it, it stopped a lot of people from, you know, making a little hustle. And some people were mad. But, yeah, I didn't get personally mad at it. You know, I uh, I thought it wasn't a bad idea. They started to give only the vendors' licenses to the veterans. Now, here's the problem. You've got all the illegal um, the illegal vendors there. You've got the legal vendors there, the veterans, and now what they're going to do is they're going to wipe the whole thing. So you've got this one guy there who he's been there for quite some time with his little water and hot dog stand, and he's legal. He's legal. And they said as they walked the bridge and they asked different vendors, a few of them acknowledged that they were illegal. So now when they wipe it clean, they're not leaving the legal vendors there. They're going to remove them all. Yeah, so it's pretty crummy. You know, you're now making everybody suffer for, you know, the ones that are, you know, legal. And they have issued, they said that they did, they've done a few walkthroughs. They have issued up to 126 summonses to the illegal vendors that are there. So, you know, what do you think they should do? It's a hazard now. They're saying that too many people on the bridge. Hey, we can't have this because that's not what this was designed for. You're taking away the look of the city, and we need you to get out of here. 
we need you to clean up here because we need this to be where the people should be able to walk and that's all it's used for. It wasn't set up for the illegal it wasn't set up for the legal vendors either. No. But they've allowed the legal vendors there because again they were legal and they were the veterans. And now because they've left them there, they've now got an accumulation of a whole lot of other people. Well, I got a story. So we've been talking about these migrants, right? And one of the things that we have been complaining about is we don't know who they're letting in and who we are inheriting. They have not vetted these people. We know they have not vetted these people. There's no way in the world you can vet 100,000 people that you're allowed allowing to come over here. You've set up all of these tents to house these people. We don't know how safe we are. Well, you've got one of many, my dear listeners. They say that this Daniel Hernandez Martinez, 29, arrived on June 27th and allegedly committed his first crime the following day. Oh, yeah. They say he's been wreaking havoc. They say a cop with 20 years' experience has been on this particular case, and they said that it's not an isolated incident. There are many migrants who are getting arrested quite often, we don't really know who they are. They don't have ID. They're not being vetted. And some of the crimes are quite violent. Now, let me just give you a little history of Mr. Martinez. So they say that his alleged crime spree started at Costco in Brooklyn, where he stole a jar of Nutella, slippers, sneakers, Hats, Gillette, <laughs> razor blades, Dove body wash, and he was charged with petty larceny and released on his own recognizance. And uh, it continues from there. They say on July 6th, he allegedly hit a Dwayne Reed in Columbus Circle. And this time, still in a toolkit. The next day, he escalated from shoplifting to assault. A security guard at a Dwayne Reed on West 35th Street in Manhattan tried to stop him from pilfering a bag of chips and toothpaste. He pulled out a large knife and advanced toward the undercover officer while yelling unintelligible words. They say he was charged with menacing this particular time, but again released on his own recognizance because the charge wasn't bail eligible. They say three weeks later on July 31st, now he just got here July 17th, right? I mean June 27th, or on July 31st, he attacked a 52-year-old man out of the blue 
with a bike tire in front of the Row Hotel, which is a migrant shelter in Times Square. They say an independent journalist who said he was there to document the migrant influx had previously interviewed this Martinez and was baffled about why he was attacked. He said, I did a nice interview with the guy, and uh, he, uh, he hit me with a bike tire and called the cops. And he called the cops. Then he said that he jumped in front of a dumpster and uh, got away. So that's how he was able to get rid, you know, get away from the cops that time. They say he was arrested about a week later. Uh, then they say on August 21st, he violently attacked a woman in Midtown. He grabbed a stranger by the hair, dragged her across the floor and kicked her and smashed her phone on West 45th Street around 1 a.m. He was charged with menacing, assault, criminal mischief, and weapon possession and placed on supervised release, according to court records. Well, how are they supervising him? He's a migrant. They don't know where he's going to stay. Okay, three days later, he was arrested for menacing with a weapon and harassment after threatening a stranger with a chain in front of 701 8th They say he was again released with no bail. Then four days later, on August 28th, he was arrested for using a large metal pipe to break locks to steal bikes in Times Square. Cops charged him with petty larceny, criminal mischief, and possession of stolen property and burglary tools. He requested medical attention and was taken to Beth Israel Hospital. While there, he assaulted a police officer who was trying to change his handcuffs, kicking him twice in the shins and stomping on his foot. He was charged with assaulting a police officer. They say he's been arrested five times in less than two months for charges of harm nearly every time. The ADA wrote in a bail application. He was pointed out, it was, he pointed out that Martinez has an open case in Brooklyn, which is a sixth arrest for petty larceny on which three bench warrants have been issued because he didn't show up for court. Prosecutors requested $10,000 bail for the cop assault case, but the judge said bail at $5,000, and Martinez was sent to Rikers. Now, the U.S. State Department, the Venezuela consulate, and Homeland Security didn't answer questions about his criminal history in Venezuela or how he made it into the U.S., no, they're not going to answer because they ain't got no answers. They have no answers. The answer is they didn't vet them. And they have not vetted anybody who's crossed the border. And enough is enough with this one individual. 
one individual. This is one individual. The day he came here was June 27th, and the very next day he started, and he hasn't stopped, and they don't have any answers. Oh, here we go. Let me talk to my due time crew. Ah, oh, good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. That's good. That's good. That's good. Well, Pastor Jeff, we got some stories to talk about. Now, let's talk about the fact that last week, our Mayor Adams, had a brunch, or he was a part of a brunch, where he spoke and said that New York was safe, people are, people feel safe, and people are okay, pretty much. And here we have it, a 60-year-old woman the police answer a 911 call at 930, uh, 9.30, 3.30 in the morning after a man lunges at her and beats her with uh, some type of item and then takes her cane and beats her with it. Now, they got this two-minute video, and I guess this is the video that they now have in the train stations that they said they were putting up last year, and it caught two minutes of the of the uh, assault. But it's, he's gone now. They don't know who he is. Now, we talked about these videos that were being put up in the train, that were being put up in the subway system. What do you think about the fact that they've put these cameras up in there, do you think that it's kind of useful? What do you think about it? I mean, it's definitely useful because that's how they're solving most crimes these days is because everybody got video cameras. That's how we catch the police, you know, what they've been doing for years of brutalizing us and, and killing us. We're catching more of that on camera and convicting these Cops, so yes, it's, it's necessary. It's definitely okay. 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 And you. So what do you say? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm. I'm sorry. No, no. I, no, no, I was I, done. I was done. Oh, okay. So, what do you say to Mayor Adams's uh, report that New York is safe and New Yorkers feel safe after this particular incident? Do you feel safe in New York, Pastor Jeff? No, I mean, but because I love the Lord, I, I'm like David. I, you know, I'm under his tabernacle. I'm under his refuge. And that's, you know, I keep my faith in that. But do I feel safe anywhere? No. I mean, there's, you know what, God is the only one that keeps us safe. Because danger is everywhere, you know. Shadow of death is everywhere, so... No, I don't, you know, feel safe in New York like that. And Mayor Adams don't know what he's talking about, but he, 
he has to talk that. He's the mayor. You got to keep the people disillusioned to feel that they're, they're safe, I guess, in order to not have the vigilantes and the chaos, you know? Okay, okay. Well, what do you think they could do to make New York safer? I've never really thought about it like that, you know, because, you know, when I I feel unsafe as as a black man from the people who are supposed to keep us safe, you know, and then I feel okay. unsafe from, from our own people with the ignorance of us killing each other, you know, okay. and falling into the, falling into the, you know, the slavery mentality, you know, so... I really don't know. I never really thought about that. You know, I don't have the job as mayor, I guess. I just try to keep my family safe, you know. Okay, okay. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Pastor Jeff, you have this other story where Brooklyn Bridge is now a haven for the vendors. You know, have you ever walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, Pastor Jeff? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, needless to say, that was probably during a time where there were no vendors and you could kind of go back and forth across the bridge pretty freely, and there were only pedestrians going back and forth across the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, now they are loaded there as vendors with all of their little shops and pop-up stands and things like that, and they're saying that it's not safe, and they're going to wipe the bridge clear of any vendors whatsoever. What do you think about the fact that they want to wipe it clean? They're not going to leave the legal vendors there or illegal vendors there they're just going to take everybody from there and kind of put it back to where it used to be to get the beauty back of the quote-unquote the bridge, to bring back the safety of the bridge, and uh, nobody will be there at all. What do you think about that? I think that's what they should do. You know, they okay. started out letting a little in, and they should have known that it was going to get that way. And it's gonna it'll be chaos, and with all those cars going back and forth, and all of that, and people trying to walk across, it, it, it is unsafe. And you know, I know people trying to make their money, but you can't allow it to keep going on like that. You know, they have to make their money someplace else. So all right, it is unsafe. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Now, Pastor Jeff. You know, we've uh, we've talked about this migrant thing on every single show, every single day of the week as we've had the migrant conversations come up. This is the first time we have come across a an article about any violent member of the migrant clan. And as you heard, this is an extensive uh, account, considering that you just got here at the tail end of June, and they don't, you know, they've spoken to, what did they say, the United States government, they've spoken to the 
Israel Consulate. They've spoken to Homeland Security, and they can't explain how or why he's here. And considering that you've got tents and tents and tents and hotels and hotels and hotels of people, what do you think of this safety issue now that they're starting to log the violent behavior of the migrants? Um, the exact question is what I think of the safety issues that they're okay. logging. Anything, anything, anything regarding this article that we just read. Anything. Whatever well, you want to say, the, the, Jeff. Okay. Well, the, you know how I feel about the situation. Um, you know, I, I, they, they let, they letting too many people in, and we're not taking care of our own. And I don't, I, you know, even as a child of God, I know we're supposed to be like the Good Samaritan, you know. But the Good Samaritan, that was only one person he, he <laughs> took care of, okay. Um, you know, I don't think that we should be taking on the world, you know. And I think these countries, they want to be countries. Otherwise, they need to stop being countries, need to keep their own people and take care of their people and do right by their people instead of pushing them off to somebody else. And then as far as just letting everybody in and you're not vetting them, yeah, you're letting in, you know, mixed in with some good people, but you're letting in all kind of, kinds of people and a lot of times rejects from the other countries. They want to get rid of, you know, these folks instead of putting some of them in prison and feeding them. And, you know, so... You know, I, I'm I'm against it. I'm against them not vetting. I'm against them letting so many people in. And I just wish they'd stop because we're complaining about it. So what are we doing about it? Absolutely. Let me ask you something, Pastor Jeff. There's been a debate as to whether Mayor Adams could do more than what he's doing regarding this letting them in. You know, listen, you have said we've gotten enough people. You have said we've helped. Some people say he has no other choice, and some people say that he does in letting these people continue to come in. Do you, what do you think? Do you think that he has a choice? He can actually stop this coming in? Or no? I want. I wonder how much power does he really have? But you got to understand something. You know, he, the political platform that 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 got him elected. You know, we 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 we. You know, it was on caring for all of these. Uh, you know, illegal aliens coming in, humanitarian, and you know, we gotta. We got to help people. This is a, what kind of state they call it, you know? Oh, I know. So, yeah, you know, I, that, I the name. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And, and he, he ran off a Democratic ticket, so he got to be careful on that. And, you know, and he's being careful because he wants to be mayor for another term, you know. And so, you know, I just think it's it's all a game, but it's catching up with us. I mean, there are some things that, the Republicans 
are doing that are correct. You know, some of their some of some of their political agenda is correct, and some of ours is not. And you know, he's playing that tightrope. Yes, he could do more, but he doesn't want to because he might kill himself politically. You know. Okay. I'm okay. Sh- I'm sure personally. I'm sure personally, he feels like me. You know, stop. <laughs> yeah, we don't want no more. We, you know, we we can't deal. It's pulling out our our economy. It's pulling out. You know what we're trying to do here. And he, I believe he'd like to. You know, probably stop them all from coming there. But he ain't gonna say it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, Pastor Jeff. Let's see what your fellow crew members think. Let's say good morning to Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? I am well, thank you, Pastor KL. How are you? I'm doing well as well, thank you. Good, good, good. All right, Pastor KL. We got this uh, Mayor Adams saying that, hey, this city is safe. And now we've got this 60-year-old woman who at 3.30 in the morning is being pummeled more than 50 times. She's being kicked by some man in the train station. There are cameras there that have caught this uh, attack. And, you know, some say that the cameras are useful because they're, you know, they're there, although it's not, like, real time. So it's not like somebody's actually watching these cameras and they see these attacks going on. So it's kind of after the fact that, you know, they're able to see these things. By the time they got there, the police got there, he was gone. Now, do you think that these cameras are useful? Do you think that New York is safe? What's your thought? Well, this is what I would say. I was just in New York a couple of weeks ago. I went to visit my parents, and I also had to go to the Bureau of Vital Records to get my um, my birth certificate. I refused to get on the train. That was just not the will of God for my life. So I refused <laughs> to get on the train. Um, I had my, my father drive me down town, which, you know, that's already an ordeal. Um, I went into the Bureau of Vital Records, and there was a guy jumped up in the, I guess, the security guard's face because they wouldn't give him a birth certificate. I mean, I clutched my pearls. I was like, there's all these police over here, all the security, and this little guy is jumping up in people's faces. I didn't feel safe. I didn't want a birth certificate. I didn't care about a birth certificate. I just didn't feel safe in that place. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think New York is safe. Listen, I got back to the Bronx, which is where my parents live, and I never left the house. I wanted some White Castle so bad. It was only on the corner, but I wouldn't I wouldn't leave the house. I just wouldn't leave the house. I didn't feel safe. Wow! 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 In regards to these cameras that are now in the subway system. You know, they have them on the trains. Now they have them in the subway um, stations. Do you think that that's helping with, you know, fighting crime? Well, I don't know that it's helping, be, being that, that there's no one 
watching it at that time. You know, because you have so many people in New York, uh, regular regular uh, people and then tourists and stuff like that. Who's to say you can find these folks? You know, who's to say they're going to come back on the number two line? I mean, I, I guess you have a description, so it might be helpful, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a minimum to none. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, you've got the Brooklyn Bridge that is now <laughs> a vendor spot. Have you ever walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, Pastor Kale? No, that that just was not my thing back then. Oh, okay, okay. Really, I have to tell you, very relaxing back in the day when we weren't experiencing all of this madness. And Pastor Steph could walk that kind of walk. I, I, I could make it one-third one across the Brooklyn Bridge right about now. But it was really very relaxing, especially when you would walk across at night and all the lights, and it was really, really a beautiful view. And now they're loaded. Oh, my goodness, I looked at the pictures that they have in the article, and it looks like it looks like South Street Seaport. <laughs> it wow. does not look wow. like a bridge at all. And now there's this, this, this kind of war between the illegal vendors as well as the legal vendors, which are all veterans, because that's who they now give, and for quite a few quite a few years, now they give the vendor licenses too. So now they're saying because it's no longer safe, because it's just too many people there, you know, they're going to clear it out. What do you think? Do you think that it's fair that they should clear it out? Should they leave the legal vendors, remove the illegal ones? just kind of stay on top of it or just go ahead and clear it out once and for all and call it a day? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, veterans have enough issues, enough problems, and they're not supported enough. I think they should leave the veterans. However, I think, you know, when, when we had flea markets and stuff like that, and New York had some huge flea markets, you know, you knew that A1 was your spot. A5 was your spot. D29 was your spot. I, I, I think they, they should they should section it that way where they know this is my spot. I'm not just going there and putting up a tent. You know, if, 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 if they go in there and map it out, then they can strategically map it out and give enough room for pedestrians and all bikers to ride or walk. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So you should go ahead and lead the people there and just make it organized correct okay okay all right well as i said to pastor jeff we have talked about this migrant issue i mean just to the hills and now the chickens have come home to roost it is officially out you know we have anticipated that there were a lot of um not, oh, goodness gracious, criminals that were actually crossing the border, and now it's starting to spill out. This is our very first story regarding any uh, criminal activity from a migrant, and boy, is this extensive. Woo! What do you think about this particular issue of now 
it's it's coming out. Now it's coming out that uh, you didn't vet, and here we are. What do you think? Well, I have a couple of things, because in, in, in the first idea, I take it personally, because I, I think of me as a big black man. If I got caught that many times, how many huh? times they sending me out because there's huh? no bond? Huh? Because, I mean, I, I, I'm just not understanding. So, so how is it that the immigrant gets more privileged than I do? You know, that, mm. that, 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 that's, that's my frustration. Because ha- had I dragged somebody by their hair one time, you know what I mean? Had I not come to court one time, had there only been one warrant on me, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have all these things. No, no one would be pleading my case. The, the judge would not be saying, okay, let him out on his own reconnaissance. That wouldn't happen. You know, so I'm just trying to understand how is it that, that, that the other man, and, and and watch this, he's an immigrant. So and and the other man has more privilege than the black man. Really? Mm-hmm. That that that's that's my frustration. That's my frustration. Mm-hmm. So if if I go to another country, do I have that same privilege? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. They don't like me as well as we don't like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated mm-hmm. with the whole story. Wow, wow, and my, that was my kind of thought, too. That was my thought, too. Pastor Jeff, what say you about that particular angle of thinking? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Ask me more of a direct question from that. Right. Well, what do you think about mm-hmm. being a big black man who would not be allowed to go back and forth to jail or get arrested over and over and over again, but just let out on your own recognizance. Is that direct enough? (laughs) 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 You're a big black man. How do you feel? Well, if you talk about me directly, sure, you know what I'm saying? It's all good for me. <laughs> you know? Oh, so you were like the Venezuelan? <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. I, just, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to voice my opinions on, on, on this because, I, I, you know, some people might feel like, you know, it's not too preachery or, or too pastory, you know. But I have very strong feelings on uh, on a lot on this subject, you know. With oh, all this. okay. And so the truth is strange the devil. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you can't always do that in this society. <laughs> you, you you lose me- you lose members too because they feel so funny about certain things. <laughs> So, Alrighty. Alrighty. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not gonna let you pull everything out of me. Okay. All right. I, 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 I'll let you leave some in reserve, Pastor Jeff. I'll let you leave some in reserve. <laughs> I, I respect that. Let's go to our girl Shantice, who's not a big black man, so she can speak a little freer. Uh, Shantice, good morning. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm fine, thank you. How's everyone doing? That's good. That's good. I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, listen, Shantice, you know, you have been a native New Yorker. You're the baby of the group. You've been a native New Yorker. How safe do you feel after hearing, uh, what was it, say, Pastor Jeff, um, <laughs> uh, Mayor Adams say, you know, we should be safe here in, you know, New York, but yet at 3.30 in the morning they have cameras that are showing that we're not, you know, clearly safe. Do you think that these cameras in the trains and the cameras in the stations are useful? Unless those cameras are streaming live and the cops are in the booth with the conductor and the train operator, no. It is, it sounds completely useless. These are my cameras being in a place where there are constantly people in and out of there, whether they pay their fare or not. Some people who live there, some people who are using it just for transportation like it's supposed to be. What good are the cameras doing? Unless it's streaming live, and if something happens on them trains or on the platform, a Ninja Turtle is able to jump out right then and there and get the the person. It, it sounds useless to me. <laughs> that is, that oh, sounds like we're looking for the Ninja Turtles. Like that sounds like a complete joke to me. Alrighty, alrighty, okay, well. Let's talk about the bridge. Have you ever walked over the bridge, Shanti? I haven't walked over it, but within the past few months, I've driven across it a few times, and it is disgustingly crowded (laughs) on that bridge, and it is because of all of the vendors that are there plus the people who are coming to patronize the vendors. Okay. Do you think that they need to wipe it clean? Do you think that they need to leave the legal vendors there and just kind of monitor? And, you know, they've given out quite a few summonses to those who should not be there. You know, they're not there legally. So, hey, get up get up out of here and leave this to the people who do have legitimate licenses or, you know, because it's, it, or, or just say, listen, this is only for walking, that's all, and you just going to have to, I think Pastor Jeff said it, find your, you know, relocate. And, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Carol said, relocate, find them another place that they can just kind of, you know, put all their little vendor shops and leave that place clear. Or, listen, people are already struggling let them go ahead and and sell their merchandise. Unfortunately, because of how packed it is, and unless you're going to have a lot of manpower to regulate who is licensed to be there and who isn't, they should just wipe it clear. Wipe it clear because it does keep a whole lot of traffic. God forbid they have to clear that bridge for any reason. That would take so much time that would go against and like an emergency evacuation period. So whether it says, okay, in case of emergency, we need to clear this bridge in 15, 20 seconds. That ain't happening with all those people. So even with the the legal 
vendors only being left there. It's still too much. Not only that, unfortunately, because they've invited all of these migrants and stuff, now you could possibly have people still trying to sneak and bully their way there, which would then cause for a lot of, you know, like if I'm there trying to shop, I don't want to look at the corner of my eye, my peripheral vision, and see someone getting thrown off the bridge with their cart. Like, I always don't want that type of tension around me. So to avoid all of that, just clear the whole bridge. Especially oh because, you know, for safety, for safety reasons. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, now the, you know, now the, the, the media is beginning to tell the story of the unvetted migrants who are criminals and how bad it is and is going to get. It's only, this is just only, you know, a snapshot of what's out here and no one can speak to why this individual is here or why this individual is getting consistent is uh, getting into consistent problems but have not you know all this time until recently it has even landed on Rikers or even in some level of jail system what do you think about that one Disgusting, disgusting because, you know, this is the only one we're hearing about right now. We don't know how many others there are that's doing stuff and that's doing stuff and they're not getting, you know, reprimanded the way that they should. And again, it's a slap in the face and insult to all of the criminals who belong here, you know, or all of the people who have done something, in, you know, by defending themselves, but they had to serve time, whatever amount of time, even if it was 30 days or something, you know, but it's like you can come over here, and so are you allowing them to come over here and do whatever they want because you haven't given them what you promised them? So this is your way of saying, you know what, well, I did bring you over here, and you don't have a place to live, you don't have a job, you don't have... Like this, this is, so now you're sending them the message that they can come over here and just wreak havoc, and there is no type of punishment. What? Okay. But but you want but you want us to feel safe. <coughs> How? Like where does that make sense? How does that make sense? You want us to feel safe, but you're bringing people here who have the ability and the means to do whatever. And they will not be penalized. How is that helping anyone to feel safe? How is that helping other migrants to feel safe? You know, not just those of us who quote unquote belong here, but that that doesn't make any sense. Well, I actually thought about that as well. I'm like, all right, so here you are in a tent with 999 other people. <laughs> Because if you got a thousand people, it's nine and ninety-nine other people, and yet that begins to possibly look like the shelters where they say, you know, mm-hmm. we can't close our eyes, we got to sleep with all this, and we, we, you know, we got to put this on our bunk because if I put it underneath, I might wake up and it's not here. You know, you're right; it just doesn't even seem safe for the other migrants who have come to find some type of a haven. So not only do I have to worry about the American citizens who are criminals, I got to worry about my fellow migrants who are also criminals. And 
you know, doing the same or worse, you know, than the ones that I'm coming here and possibly have to contend with. So this really doesn't make for a safe uh, environment at all. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do here. I really don't, because you ain't got enough police to police a hundred thousand people plus the people who are already here in New York. You just ain't got no. enough. It's enough. It's not enough. It, it's just, and this is a real dangerous situation. We've, you know, we've set up as as the powers that be. Well, I will put it on the floor. Does anyone have a church folk question? Because I got a, a story that has nothing to do with church, but I wanted to talk about it. But I would rather a church folk question. Is there any church folk question on the floor? Five, four, three, no. two, okay. no. <laughs> I want to All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, you know, it's a travel story. It's a travel story. And this is, you know, again, what do we do? You know, how do you think we should handle this? Uh, you have <laughs> Air Canada who had a flight that they were about to, uh, you know, pull out of the, the, the uh, off the runway. And they were boarding, and they were finishing boarding, and they had these last couple of people they were putting on the plane, and they said that it started to, it was smelling. It was smelly. They didn't feel comfortable. They couldn't figure out where the smell was coming from. Come to find out, they said that someone had um, regurgitated in the seat, and they had not had the time to clean before taking off again. So, the flight attendants or the whoever they call these days, the flight attendants, they took the people to the seat, <laughs> back to the seat when they complained of the foul smell, and they said, listen, these are the last two seats. We are booked, and we don't know what else to tell you. We understand, but here, we're going to give you some coffee grinds. We're going to put this in the seat. And we're going to spray it with perfume to mask the uh-huh. smell. We're sorry, <laughs> but that's the best we can do. So they refused to sit down, these two women. So they said the, what do you call that person? The, oh, my God, the pilot. They said the pilot came down the aisle and very calmly knelt down and told the two ladies that they had two choices. They could leave the plane on their own accord and organize flights on their own dime, or they would be escorted off the plane by security and placed on a no-fly list because they had been rude to the flight attendant. So a passenger who was seated nearby told the pilot that the women had not been rude. They had only refused to sit in the seats that were clearly unclean and that had been acknowledged not to, that had not been cleaned thoroughly, but they just had not had the time to 
clean the seats and let it air out. So they said when you looked up, they were being escorted by security off the plane. Now, do we shut Air Canada down (laughs) or what? How do you handle this? And it's funny because um, Pastor Jeff kind of touched on something, and that's why I said I was asking for a church for a question on this. When he said, you know, it's certain things that you do, certain things you don't do, you know, as a as a person, as a leader. Remember last week the conversation was how Pastor Marco led the people into, you know, this this we're gonna take back our city only for them to end up, some of them end up dead because of who they went up against. How do you handle this at a larger level other than to just stop supporting Air Canada? Because, again, the the the, 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 uh, the article is, the, the journalist is actually bringing up the fact that you know what, this is what we're enduring as Americans at the hands of foreigners, if you will. How do we move forward? Pastor Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Why do you always start with me? Yeah, yes, because I I like to hear what he has to say with it. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor KL, you got the first leg on this one. What you got? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess a couple <clears throat> a couple of questions. Um, will 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 I need to know? First of all, am I am I the American who's stuck in Canada? Because if I'm stuck in Canada. I don't care how bad it's smelling. I got to get home. Now, if you're telling me I'm going to be blackballed and not going to be able to fly no other flights, then I got to go home. And when I get home, then then I'll deal with it from that aspect. But I'm not going to boycott instead of for my rights in a country that I don't live in. Because then what happens when they take me off this plane in this foreign country? You know, sometimes you got to use wisdom. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we don't want to sit there and yeah, it smells bad and all this other stuff. But but what is the repercussions in another land? You, you okay. know what I mean? So I, I think I, I would have to understand that situation before, you know, I, I put up the flag and, you know, oh, no, we won't go type stuff. Because when I get off this plane, I'm still caught up with, with, with the folks who don't like me. Get me home and then let me fight. Okay, okay, okay. Well, listen, it's on you. You you gave two scenarios, and you know what do you do? Okay, so you ride. So you do, do you decide to ride the um, the flight, take the flight because you're you're pretty much as you said stuck there. So how do you handle it when you go home? other than to just make a phone call. You I'm not saying that that's the only thing you could do, but I, I'm asking. I'm asking. 
Well, I mean, I'm calling, I'm writing, I'm going in your face. You know, I'm sure that there's offices, you know, places on on outside of the land where we can go to and talk to. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm critiquing, I'm writing stuff, I'm I'm getting everything involved. Listen, anybody wants to go on social media, it will be blasted on social media. I will have pictures of the flight attendants, of the pilots. Everybody will be on social media. We'll be talking about Air Canada. Okay, okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to give Pastor Jeff another five seconds to, to, to <laughs> you know, to talk. Shatis, what do you do? Oh, Lord, what do you do? <laughs> Well, I agree with um with Pastor Kale. If it if it means I have to get home, you that that just makes it worse for you because I have to get if if I can't for whatever reason get off this plane to now drive back home because that would be the first thought. Okay, so I'm gonna have to drive. If for whatever reason I can't now drive home, because people drive to and from Canada every day, so. It's not like it's impossible, but if for whatever reason I have to do it since this is my only recourse to get home, this just makes it worse for you because now it's further simmering and there's this firmer plotting that's taking place in my mind while I'm sitting here with vomit smell on my way home. Now, when I get home, or if this is a case of where I'm on my way to Canada and you're trying to sit me somewhere... This just all goes back to you teach people how to treat you. And unfortunately, in situations like this, unless there's either many of us or a person who is, like, persistent, persistent, persistent in spreading the word and pretty much becoming an activist and and starting, like, a whole different type of civil rights movement for Air Canada, nothing is going to get done. Because we as a people are known for complaining, but still patronizing. And this is why they do what they do. This is why they feel comfortable to ask you to sit in a seat where someone just threw up. Because they know you may complain, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to sit there anyway, and you're going to book another flight with them. So every person as an individual has to understand the message that they're sending to us and the message we're sending back to them, especially with them being foreigners, that they're saying, shut up, this is how I'm going to treat you because I'm going to get your money anyway, and you might as well just shut up and sit in the literal vomit if you're still going to patronize them. So I would devote my life. This is no longer Air Canada. This is Vomit Airlines, and Vomit Airlines does not care about feeding you, and it was probably the pilot and the flight attendant who threw up in the seat, because they don't care nothing about feeding you in, in a seat. There's no way you're telling me you didn't have time. To, you don't have time to make sure that I'm not sitting. I just gave you my money, but you don't have time to clean up, throw up, as if I, I just slept with your man. And I'm begging you for a ride home, and you said, well, listen, the only seat I got is this one that my girlfriend just threw up on because she was drunk. What? And we're still patronizing? No. Vomit Airlines, it is now in effect. Vomit Airlines gets all of my attention. This is now my mission in the name of Jesus. 
And I am going to see to it that every time this pulls out, I'm going to be standing at the gate with with pamphlets and and I will devote TikTok accounts and Instagram pages and Facebook pages on exposing you because that is beyond disgusting in so many different ways. But you, you have to make sure that you understand as an individual the message you're sending back to them when you just ignore this, either ignore it at all or ignore it and still give them your money. Okay, okay, okay. Pastor Jeff, what you got? Well, I, I'm like this, though. First of all, I'm not home yet, and I need to get home. You know, when I'm my head, when my head is in the lion's mouth, I have to be use wisdom, okay? And if that's the only way, I gotta sit there and I gotta deal with it to get home. Because if I would, if I if I acted crazy on the flight, you know, I could end up in a whole nother set of problems. So I get home, and then just like everybody else say, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it be known what you did to me. And if I don't have to use you again, I won't use you again. And I'm going to let everybody know what you did to me. And then let everybody know not to ever use this airline. But I can't, I can't dedicate my life to it because I got too much life, you know. But I will <laughs> fight. <laughs> he said I got too much life. You know, you got to pick, pick your fight. And that would be one that I would make some noise. You know, but at the same time, they have more money than me. They're, they're more powerful than me. They're more connected to me. It's probably not much that I really can do about it, but I will do mm-hmm. something just to make myself feel good that I did something about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. You know, this this is a tough spot to be in because, like you all have said, you know, how far am I from home? You know, if it's a place where, you know, you have another alternative, you know, that's one thing. But, again, you know, a lot of these people do these things to you because they know you don't have any alternative. And this was a five-hour flight. Wherever Mm -hmm. they were going was five hours. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget I got sick. We were going to Vegas, and I got sick. And they never realized that I wasn't in my seat. And when we landed, I was actually standing up in the bathroom because I was sick as a dog. They never missed me. So yet again, that, that just goes to show how thorough they were. Because it wasn't that huge of a flight that had the three of them walked up and down the aisle. They didn't miss me or miss a passenger. What the point I'm, um, I'm bringing up is I just have to walk up and down. Until you told me uh, seatbelts needed, <laughs> seat needed to be fastened, I would have just had to walk up and down that, that flight. And they would have been annoyed. Because everywhere, every time they went to walk up and down, I would have been standing in the way. 
You, I just would have been standing. Excuse me, no problem. Excuse me, no problem. Excuse me, no problem. And and just like you know, all of you have said, unfortunately, they know they have the power. They know they have the power. Yes. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted because that's actually what I wanted to touch on real quick. Speaking the church folk question, that why do we as church folk? The fault, the power to the world. We we have to understand that these people have quote unquote power because it's almost like the enemy. The enemy only has as much power as we give him. So these airlines, these businesses, these brands, they only have as much power as we, the people who are feeding into their business, give them. So now, if I you're asking me to sit in this vomit chair for five hours because this is my only way of getting home. Now, I'm going to now get home and, what, maybe make noise for five minutes because I may not feel like I have the ability to, you know, well, this this is a, a, a billion-dollar airline, you know, or, or, or this is a, a million-dollar corporation, you know. As as Christians, as God's people, as the people that God has called, why are we not making it our business? How do we know that that is not part of the mission that Jesus has given us to make sure we make enough noise because we, we see what the people in the world are doing? They either going to be ignorant and fight, and they're the ones that get kicked off the plane knowing they ain't got no other way home, or they sit and they just take any and everything. Why, as Christians, do we not make sure that even if we don't find another like-minded person who is bold enough, but that we make sure, even if this becomes a permanent hobby for me, anytime I know that there's a, a, a vomit airline flight taking off, I am making it my business because for the other per- what if this was an elderly person who could not, and as Christians, we are responsible for speaking up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. How do I know that the next flight there would not be an elderly person who could have all the money in the world but is not physically able to drive themselves home if they got put off this flight, but because they're used to people not making as much noise, they now have to endure these things. All right, all right, Pastor Kerry, I'll give you an opportunity to... Speak on that comment. You know, while while I agree with with what Shanti's saying, that that right there is is so broad. So when you say church folks' question, that's so broad. That that's like we we have people in in our pews who are on for the ride, but we subject them to the homosexual uh, 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 choir director. We subject them to the pastor who, who's not doing right. So why, why should, should the people in the pews be subjected to that when, when the pastor himself, the pilot, is allowing himself to happen? And because we don't want to lose the homosexual or this person or that person, then we have to be subjected to the ride. So, I mean, that, 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 that's, that's, very, that's a vast situation. So yeah, as, as Christians, we shouldn't tolerate stuff, but we tolerate it in our own home, let alone abroad. Ministry begins at home. So so if we if we don't check it 
at home, there is no way we're going to check it abroad. Or we shouldn't be mad abroad. This is how we treat it as Christians. So if, if, if you're comfortable in your house being disrespected, then why not be comfortable abroad? All right, all right, all right. All right. Pastor Jeff, would you like to say something? Well, they, I, I, you know, I respect what has been said, but, you know, I still go to the fact that there's a lot of fights out there in this life, you know, and you got to pick and choose. And the one that you, you know, it's not like just church folk. Why, why don't, you know, we just give the power to the world and this, that, and the other. No, you're right. We have the ultimate power. We're the children of God. But at the same time, we got to, if you can't get people to come together in unity, you understand? The Bible talks about us working together and we can do anything. They built the Tower of Babel because they were one. But church folks are divided, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and you go to fight a fight and you're fighting it alone, you know, that it's, that, you know that's a stupid fight. In my, in my opinion, unless God put that fight on you and you're a David and Goliath type of situation, you know, then you can take down that giant by yourself. But it's the fact that we don't have no unity is why we, we're afraid to come up against these big entities and different things, and we don't realize the power that we have. So our focus should be more on getting together and fighting than to just gun hole and run out and fight yourself. That's why I said I would say something about that situation, but I would, I would, you know, I'd have to see how much time I want to put there because I have other fights that might be more important. You understand? All righty, all righty. No. I'm liking this conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, we have come down to our prayer time, so we thank you all. Really good conversation. I think we're going to pick this up next week. Shantese, make a note of it. This is going to be part of our conversation next week, our church for question. Thank you so much, my due time crew, for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, too. Thank you, thank you. All righty. Uh, we are about to hold hands and hold hearts. And let's take this time to go before the Lord. Heavenly Father God, we thank you. We thank you for just being kind enough to wake us up today. Thank you, God, for just loving us in only a way that you can, dear God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for just the questions and the comments that are put on the table, God, that make us think that prayerfully we come to you as to what should we do? What? How do we move? Are we moving uh, uh, according to your will and your way? Are we on our own tangents? Are we being led by you, directed by you, guided by you to do what it is that we need to do, dear Heavenly Father? We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just make your way known and make your way clear to us, dear Heavenly Father. 
we're living in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. And sometimes, God, we're in a jam of a place. But what a consolation in knowing that we have you to always turn to, God. We always have you with the righteous response and the righteous answer, dear God. And as we pray, uh, we pray, dear Heavenly Father, and we talk about how we handle things, God. We just got finished talking about how your people went up against another group, God, and they lost big time. And, Lord, we're just asking you to just help us to surrender to your will and your way. Help us to look to you for whence cometh our help. Thank you for introducing yourself to us in a different way today. Thank you, God, for investing in us just one more time. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for being the answer to our prayers. You don't answer us individually the same way. As it's been said, we all have our call. We all have our mission. And we will definitely get the answer if we come to you. Thank you for sending your son for such a time as this, God. And, Lord, we're praying for this world. We're praying for those who don't know you, that they would seek you now, that they would come to you, that they would submit and surrender their lives to you, dear Heavenly Father. And a lot of things that we go through, we don't have to go through, God, because we're under your protective covering. Lord, let us help people make that decision to choose you this day and that our word would not fall on deaf ear, that those who listen, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, that they would choose you as their personal Savior, that they would understand that without you there is no living Thank you, God, again, for the love that you give to us on a consistent basis that helps us on a consistent basis, that we are protected, God. Our covering is different, God. Thank you. Thank you in the precious name of Jesus as we lift your name on high. Amen. Oh, wow. What a conversation to come up. At the end of the show, you know, when I said that, you know, I had a a uh, an article, and you know, instead of a church for question, you know, I saved that article for last intentionally because it it makes you think. It makes you think of the things we accept. I, I couldn't believe when Pastor KL hit the nail. Right on the head for me It makes you think of the stuff we accept What are we accepting As people of God Now I You know I'm, I, I definitely understand um, You know Shantis You know I'm going to make it my mission However we don't all have The same amount of time To dedicate To that fight As uh, Pastor Jeff said you know, we have to pick our battles and how much time 
we actually have to dedicate to each battle and, you know, how he wants us to handle each battle. And, you know, I have heard a lot of these cocky businesses speak as though it doesn't have to be their end date. Speak as though there's no end date. And I say to them, ask Sears <laughs> what happened to them. Ask J.C. Penny. Ask all these big conglomerates who once were. At one point, they they was a it. And I mean that. They, you know, they were making all this money. They were taking, you know, they, they were taking people to higher heights in their shopping and all of this kind of stuff. And they had all the best deals and da-da-da. And they're no longer here. Because something else came along and wiped them straight out of the box. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. What, I mean, it knocked them straight out the box. Because they may have thought that you know, can't get nobody better than me. There's always someone better than you. And Air Canada or Bethany Baptist Church pastor or whomever it is, you know, they, yeah, you're not the baddest thing and the biggest thing in town. But at the end of the day, what are we accepting? Are we making enough noise? You know, it's one thing to make too much noise, but it's another thing to be passive and not make any noise at all. Or I wrote a letter and I did my job. I made a phone call. I did my job. Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we doing everything that we're supposed to do? We have to ask ourselves that question. Have we stopped before the job is completed? Are we the ones that go through something because God is going to use us to make the noise? Or are we going to get off the plane and say, I'll never ride Air Canada again? Or I'm going to leave that church and now I'm not going to go to any church at, at all ever again? Because, hey, I, I, I just, I, church hurt is the biggest hurt I've ever experienced. Are we going to roll over or lay down and die? Or are we going to stand up and fight righteously for his name's sake? We have to figure out what it is that God wants us to do and how much of it God wants us to complete. Do we go a certain distance and he's going to, you know, have someone else pick up the mantle and they go the next distance? Think about that that, that race, that, that relay race. You pass the baton. You run your part and you pass the baton. Or is it the other race where one person runs on each lane and you've got to be the winner? You're representing your state, your country, your family, your race, whatever it is, but you, God has given you the responsibility of representing, and you've got to run and win that race. Are we looking at this thing properly? And that's why we have to go before the Lord. That's why we've got 
got to stay before the Lord. Do I get off Air Canada and I drive home? Because that's an option. But because I'm too tired, I don't exercise the option. We have to think about what does God want us to do. Are we just rolling over and dying? Or are we, like Shanti said, are we in the fight for someone else? Do we raise the flag for someone else? Do we open our mouth for someone else? That's something we have to think about. That is our job. We have a responsibility to fight, fight, fight. As men and women of God, we have a responsibility to fight, fight, fight. Now, how we fight is up to God. Because remember, in biblical times, he told them what to do. He told them. There was a time he even told them, don't don't bother, because my presence is not with you. I'm not with you. Don't even go over there. And what did they do? They went and they lost. Sometimes God's presence has been removed away from us because we have not done what the Lord has wanted us to do. Ooh. Has his presence been removed from us and we're out on our own? Wow. What a question. What? Our thought this morning Something to think about Have I been doing what I'm supposed to do And when I go out to fight God is ever present Or Have I been living my life According to the way I want to live it And I'm going out in the name of the Lord But yet The Lord is not with me Check that. Be careful. Check that. Because the last thing you want is to be out on your own. Go before the Lord. Don't do that self-assessment because uh, I didn't see the many go down thinking they right. Make sure you look at the entire picture and go before the Lord to find out, have I done everything I'm supposed to do? Because until that question is answered, you might be out on a limb on your own. Stay before the Lord. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go as you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to the Lord right now. 
please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord because later is not promised to any of us. And before I go, I want to say again, make sure you look at the big picture. Make sure you're thorough. Make sure you go before the Lord and ask the Lord, have I done everything? Have I honestly done everything? Before I bow out of this thing, before I enter into this thing, have I done everything you've wanted me to do? Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's wow Wednesday. Until then, I love you.